All right, everybody. Uh, welcome to Digging Deeper. Uh, glad you could join us online, and glad those of you who are here are here. Um, so just simply put, this is, we, I don't think it could be any more uh, simple. We're just looking at the Word of God and opening it up and doing that good mining through the text. Uh, because I always think that sometimes we need specific answers to all of our problems, questions, concerns, but what we really need most of the time are the deep things of God. Like, we want specific answers to a lot of things. Yeah, and that's good. And God gives us a lot of that. He gives us a lot of explicit answers in his word. But he gave us one answer, and that's Jesus. So as we look through the book of Luke, uh, he's the one that satisfies all the concerns that we have from all our concerns. And um, I don't know how to lead conversationally. I know how to stand up here and talk about the text, and I'm not trying to preach another sermon, so bear with me as, uh, as I try to do this more conversationally, and this is um, exactly that. It's a conversation. I know you, you online can't uh, say, hey, I have a question, but this could be a space where if Leonard said anything or you heard anything uh, during the sermon regarding the text, you, we can, and you can ask here, uh, hey, I have a question about this. Jesus said this here. That jostled me a little bit. What does he mean? Uh, this could be a place where your questions are answered, uh, concerns, um, and we want to make this a little conversational. So the only questions, uh, and it's a good way to pr- approach your Bible, um, when you go to read is, what does the text say about God? One, um, what promises are in the text for us to adhere to? And what commands are there, are there for me to obey? So what you have is knowing, knowing God, believing in his promises, and the opportunity to obey. Know, believe, obey. That's Simple as that. So that's pretty, that's pretty much what we're going to be do, doing as we, uh, as we jump in. And let's just jump in here. So does anybody have any questions? And I'll repeat for you online if anybody does about what you heard today. Anything in the text. And if not, that's okay. We can, we can move forward. Diane? Consolation, uh, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Um, in in the law, in in uh, oh, I got it right here. This was a command that God gave when He gave His law, uh, and the time came for purification according to the law of Moses. They brought Him up to Jerusalem to present Him to the Lord as as is written in 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 the law of the Lord. Uh, and you will find this in Leviticus 12. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, this is the president he sets, this is the commandment that Mary and Joseph are obeying. Uh, to speak to the people of Israel, and I lost it. There it is. All right. Speak to the people of Israel saying, if a woman conceives and bears them, and I can't scroll down there. <laughs> If a woman conceives and bears a child, uh, uh, the firstborn son in that culture, as 
the president was set by the as the president was set by the law when it was first given every firstborn child was be was to be considered holy to the lord this one and and in livestock uh so in this way god's pretty much saying i get the first fruits of your family okay I did say I would do that. I didn't do that. She asked, <laughs> she asked, uh, what was, why, why was, why, why consecrate the firstborn male? It was the precedent that God set for his children, uh, for his people that you will, uh, this one is mine, so to speak. He is to be used directly for me. Uh, and the same with the livestock. It's him saying the first fruits, it's an act of worship to God. And it's a commitment, because uh, if you commit yourself to that firstborn child, what do you then do with the rest? You want them to grow up. It, it's, it's, he's putting a little fire under you to, to raise your children up, and to, it gives you the significance with your firstborn uh, so that you have that kind of weight and significance on you of how important it is with your whole family. That's what I take away from it. I'm not... All right, any other questions? I've had a firstborn male. I have. All right, has having a firstborn male myself and then a, a second boy uh, myself, what's the effect that's had on me? Uh, Chaos is a good one, yeah. If any of you saw that video that I made <laughs> online, that was about the 20th take because Chaos stopped the other videos and tried to stop the one that actually made it through. Um, <laughs> uh, now, um, as a husband and a father, um, as, a, as a man, Christian man, uh, God uses uh, marriage a lot to sanctify men. So I found out how selfish I was when I got married. Uh, and then having a kid did that very same thing. Uh, and then having two kids did it again. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a pattern here where I am being made more holy. <laughs> uh, and it hasn't felt good a lot. It's been very, um, what did you say earlier? The truth the truth sets you free, but first it makes you mad and wakes you up at two in the morning. So I've had a lot of sanctifying, and I've had, and because of that, I've had to depend on the Lord all the more. And I know that sounds cliche, but some things are cliche for a reason because they deserve repeating, and that does. So that's the effect of a firstborn male on me. And also, it's caused worship because there's a lot of joy in it that I didn't expect. I was all worried before I had my first kid. And I thought of all the stressful stuff and considered none of the joy, and I was, as C.S. Lewis said, surprised by joy. Different context to what he was saying, but I was surprised by the joy of it all and cut to the quick with my own sinfulness, especially as he doesn't listen to me. <laughs> I could talk for a while about that. All right. <laughs> Is there any other... Any other questions about the text or anything like that? All right. All right, Advent. What time we got? Oh, we're good. Um, all right, Advent has arrived. Maybe I'll put the text. 
is a learning experience. All right, Advent has arrived, has arrived. He's come. Christmas is over, but adoration continues. Uh, Jesus, right now, as the story picks up, they they would uh, purify, uh, go through the purification rites 33 days commonly after uh, the child was circumcised on the eighth day. Okay, so that lets us know that Jesus is just a little over a month old here. Um, and from this text, we have two just golden um, character studies uh, in Simeon and Anna. Now, I love, uh, I almost said cinnamon. I love cinnamon. I love Simeon. Uh, well, we'll get to that. Uh, from this text, we see and understand some vital fulfillment. We have two character studies. And I know Mary and Joseph are in there too, and we learn a little bit from them how faithful they are to be going through all this. That says that that shows you where their heart is, is in obeying the law, that they would take their son to this place and do what the law demands. Commands. They had a high view of it, and it shows us God's son as Messiah, and joyfully commands our faith in Him. And so, God, Mary, Joseph, Simeon, Anna. In, these, in this brief text of however many verses it is, um, all have one thesis, and that's Jesus. And that's, that's our thesis, too. And it matches our mission statement. Our mission statement is loved by God, devoted to Christ, devoted to Jesus, committed to one another. We see that all in this text. All right, and when the time came for their purification, that word purification, uh, it's not that Jesus needs this purification. He's pure. Uh, what's perfect doesn't need changed. What's being perfected needs to look on to what's perfect and be perfected. That's us. And, you know, just like Jesus' baptism. And stop me anytime if you have a question. Like Jesus' baptism, when John's like, well, you should be baptizing me. And he's like, no, I must fulfill all righteousness. And then he's baptized. I think Leonard called it once a proxy baptism. He set the tone for what it is to follow him. Yeah. 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 It, it's like this. He's embodying what he's asking us to do, Leonard said. Uh, and he, him, he needs to perfectly fulfill the law so that all of his righteousness can be attributed to us when we put our faith in him. If Jesus misses something, neglects something, does something wrong, doesn't willfully doesn't do something that is necessary, then he's not the Messiah. The Messiah is perfect. And Luke puts these details in here so that we can see that this is the guy. This is him. The Messiah is here. He was purified for all who, who aren't pure. That should make us grateful. Jesus would have been a little... Okay. They presented him to the Lord. It's kind of funny that two human beings are taking God to God. And we focused on this a little bit in, the, in, the, in uh, Leonard's sermon, uh, that uh, how we raise our kids. You know, it, Mary and Joseph are good examples to follow. Mary, did you know? <laughs> so raise your children to the glory of the Lord. 
Give them God. All right. This is the law of the Lord. Okay. They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as is written in the law of the Lord. We talked about that. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. That one's a set-apart one. Uh, And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, uh, a pair of turtle doves and two pigeons. That was like the baseline thing. So that's what the... Uh, Some families, if you were wealthier, you would get a higher-end livestock. You might get a lamb, you might get a a ram, was like the top of the top, top shelf thing. Uh, But you could see that Mary and Joseph were a poor family. They had to go with the minimum, that's two turtle doves or two young pigeons. Because blood needs to be shed. Uh, God establishes that from the beginning. He he first establishes it with uh, Adam and Eve. They give him, they cover themselves in leaves. God sheds the first blood in the Bible, and he covers them with clothing that he made from an animal. We shouldn't think of, wow, God's harsh. He sent them from the garden. No, God clothed them. them. And, that's a, and we need clothed now with Jesus' righteousness. So the sacrifice, we then by faith see Jesus as being that sacrifice, the lamb who was slain. And we wear his righteousness. So now... That's what this pair of turtle doves for a poor family and two uh, young pigeons would have done. It would have been a little bit of a, it would have been a blood covering from birth, carrying on what God began and God always intended Jesus to eventually be. All right, so they were obeying the law of the Lord, meaning God, meet, uh, this is the law of the Lord, meaning God, the Son's actions here are him obeying his own command. Jesus is fulfilling things even as a boy. So he's not just a man doing what the Bible says. Jesus faked his messiahship, some said. Uh, some have said, some, that's popular in our culture now. He just looked at the Bible and he, and he did everything the Messiah, the, the, the messiah was said to do. Uh, and he just copied that and said, hey, I'm the guy. No, uh, this is too specific. He could not have faked his virgin birth or the town he was born in. This is the real guy. The text shows us that Jesus being the Savior, and we talked about this already, but reminding is most of teaching. The text shows us that Jesus being the Savior Messiah must fulfill all the law, all the law requires to hold that position. He fully obeys the law so as to fully fulfill the law for us. And for all righteousness, as he tells John the Baptist. The gospel is that Jesus, Jesus, Jesus perfectly fulfills the demands of the law on behalf of the sinner who breaks the law. That's what makes us sinners. We've broken God's righteous standard, the law. The the law is, as I've heard before, maybe some of you have, the law is the MRI machine. Jesus is the cure. The MRI machine reveals the problem. It cannot cure it. Jesus is the cure. That's the use of the law. So that Jesus is justly justly credible to be the perfect savior of those lawbreakers. That's us. So when one then is saved, a transaction occurs. We put our faith in him and his perfect righteousness is then accredited to the believer's account 
his perfect account for our criminal record. That's the exchange that happens. He gives us his, we give him ours. Or the other way around, we give him ours, he gives us his. Him having tapped us in the first place to make that exchange. God loved us first, as First John says. Which, and then he takes that, and, and, and it's attributed to him on the cross. He takes the wrath of God on, fully paying it on the cross, for our account with his death. That's the significance here of a turtle dove and two small pigeons. Jesus becomes the final sacrifice. And then we're going to get into Simeon. Does anybody have any questions about any of that? Joe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Satisfying them, yeah, fulfilling them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah. All right. So Joe. No, thank you. Joe was saying, for those of you who couldn't hear, we'll put this out here. If you want to turn it on, hit the little button, the little green light will come on and you will have big voice for the people at home. All right. So I'll give that to Leonard. All right. It's off now. Just hit the button when needed. Um, all right. So Joe was saying, um, do you think the Pharisees believed that they would Essentially, that they would need a Messiah, that, and, that we would, and that we would stop acting according to our works and start depending on his. Here you see him laying the groundwork for everything that we need in a Savior, right? The, and and, and the, God is sovereign over all of this. He's preparing Jesus to be. His whole life was a forward thrust to the cross, and from there to the grave, and from there to resurrection, from there to the right hand of God, from there to us. And that's where we're at in human history right now. The, sec the next stepping stone is second return. But here we see him, his promises of a Savior coming beginning to be fulfilled in this little child, and we need to depend on him, not the works of the law. All the, 
we ha- our hearts naturally downshift to a religious position. It's, the, it's, it's where we go. We either go to the right or the left. We either go to second son of the prodigal son, and we're righteous and we're obeying, and we want this good record to put before God in the end that says, look what I did. You're essentially, you're saying I'm, you're, you want to put God in your pocket and say, look what I did for you, when the whole gospel is, no, look what Jesus did for you. So the worst thing you could do when you stand before him is say, I did A, B, and C. Don't you know you owe me? Because that's what your righteous acts accomplish in front of him. He's only satisfied with the Savior he provides. That's it. It's not more complicated. You have Jesus or everything else. Two decisions. And Simeon saw this. Thanks, Holy Spirit. Here we go. All right. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. I like this guy. This guy is like Rafiki guy. Um, that's what I think of. I think of, or Radagast. That's how I see Simeon. I don't know if that's right or not, but. All right. And this man was righteous and devout. Um, if that's all the Bible ever told, told us about him, that's all we need to know. It tells us enough. Um, his confidence was in God, not circumstances. Um, if this is all we knew of Simeon, it would be enough. Um, Waiting for the, cons- the consolation of Israel. You guys know what consolation means? It's peace that you receive from a person after a time. Um, after a time of suffering. So up to this point, Israel has 400 years of quiet between Malachi and the arrival of Jesus. Or the arrival of John the Baptist. Actually, it goes back to... God making the first move through the angel to tell, what's his face? Zechariah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's when it begins. That's the first movement of God uh, to, a, to close out the 400 years. That 400, different day. Um, <laughs> um, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was mindful, not just of his own life, but he mentions Israel here. He was cared about his people. He's not just... Ah, me. Ugh. He's, there's a heavy amount of oppression. The Romans were, if you think the Nazis were bad, Romans, they probably could learn a lot from the Romans. Um, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, and that tells us this, that God is interested in communion. It, uh, God makes an initiating move through his word, by his spirit here. This was for Simeon, not for us. Narrative is not normative. God's interested in communion. Most interested in communicating about his son. That's what God is most interested in. We, it's so easy to miss that. We get caught up in religious thinking, religious living. I need to do, I need to accomplish. I need to spike a touchdown before I can go to bed. Um, we, I, I, you have to, you, some of you are really big accomplishers, and so maybe your mind goes there a little quicker, your heart goes there. That's why it's so important to be reminded of the gospel so much, because as soon as you remembered it, and it's like, ah, oh, there it is again, that religiousness starts developing in you. Or at least it does in me. And we as modern Americans think we need specific answers to our problems, but God thinks we need Jesus. He's the answer we tend to miss. One that sinks in our paralyzed, uh, once that sinks in, 
our paralyzing felt needs lose their power over us. That's good news. That we would not see... All right. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he, this is a promise, would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Number one, God promises. That's something that we can take away from the text. Number two, that he... He promised him that before he died, he would see the Lord's Christ. Christ is the Greek word for king, right? Anointed one. Okay, so, okay, either way, this is what God's saying. This Jesus is God's choice. If you want evidence for why God gets to choose, you can look back to 1 Samuel and see what man chose. They chose Saul. Bible says that he was handsome and tall, so essentially the Israelites wanted the quarterback, the letterman jacket, give us the all-American boy kind of guy. Now God, and God said, fine, I'm going to give you the guy if you've, no one's even ever met. He's in a field. His own father forgets him. That's David. And if you need more evidence, read First and Second Kings, and you'll see the disaster that that was. Not a lot of good news in First and Second Kings. This king... He did this. He was terrible. And that pretty much proceeds. There's two kings that do two things halfway good. Jesus is the king that comes and does all things good. So, this is the Lord's Christ. That's what that means. And he came in, in the spirit into the temple. So, the, he's kind of a God-driven vehicle right now. And when the parents brought the child, Jesus, to, to do for him according to the custom of the law... Raised there, Jesus had godly parents whose fidelity was obeying the law. They believed that they believed in what they knew, and that's what faith is. Just being faithful to what you know. You can't be faithful to what you don't know. But you should seek. He took him up in his arms, stranger danger. <laughs> He took him up in his arms and blessed God. All right, so we saw that God promises. Now we see God fulfills. He promised this man something, and now this man has what God promised. He gets to see, as the text is about to tell us, the Lord's salvation. Lord, now this is Simeon talking. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, his promise, all right, he's saying, I can die now. I can, like, have you ever been so satisfied you've been at the other end of an amazing day? And you're like, oh, I can just die. Or a dessert. Or a steak, or I don't know, whatever your thing is. A ho-ho. It's like, oh, I can just die now. I've had that moment of consolation, of peace at the end, and you have, and you can relax. This happened to the deepest parts of his soul. And he went and, sat, and there was a, something that happened. He, I'll just read. He received his consolation. We remember that reads uh, comfort or relief for a person after, after a difficult time. He went from awaiting it, the text tells us. He's waiting for Israel's consolation. Now he's at it. Saying, it's happening. There it is. There he is. Think of Solomon's heart position, it's, it's, it's whiplash. It's from despaired, wanting, waiting, to beholding, possessing, and rejoicing. Like your greatest desire was just met. What's your greatest desire? 
what's your great uh, want right now? Some of our greatest desire, I need to go get some Doritos from the store and then come home, and then if I check that off the list, I'll have peace. Now, like your greatest desire, satisfied. Can you imagine what that would feel like? For my eyes have seen your salvation. So he knows exactly who Jesus is. He looks at this baby, and remember, he has the Holy Spirit in him. This isn't a, a, none of this uh, interaction, none of uh, Simeon's words are natural. They're supernatural. The Holy Spirit was in him. He was informed. So all he had to do when the time came was just see Jesus. And that's huge. Knowing exactly who Jesus is. So thanks, Holy Spirit. Uh, we can only know God by the Holy Spirit. We can only understand his Bible by the Holy Spirit. And if you want to learn about that, you can go read 2 Corinthians chapter 2. It's all about that. We've already seen this once in Luke's gospel. Uh, this, this Holy Spirit confirming Jesus. Um, when John the Baptist is in Elizabeth, he leaps when Mary comes and he hears the voice. He says, the baby inside me left when he heard your voice. Like, I love that. John the Baptist was a fetus. He didn't know anything. But he was still excited about Jesus. Like, if, an, if a fetus can get excited about Jesus, just a little drive-by guilting there. Um, <laughs> John... By the Holy Spirit, Simeon, Simeon knew exactly what God was up to with this boy. The salvation that you have prepared, that means God's plan, God plans, I could talk for, we could never stop talking about God's sovereignty, his planning, his accomplishing of his plan, purposes within that. In the presence of all peoples, a light. So this is, I've seen, my eyes have seen the salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light of revelation for the Gentiles, that's us, Jesus, and for glory for your people Israel. So he's praising God right now and he's rejoicing and he just, he just says a light of revelation for the Gentiles, that's everyone who's not a Jew, and for all of Israel. So that's all peoples, that's all nations, that's black and white, that's and everything else, that is all peoples, all nations, tribes, and tongues. Jesus is God opening the door for all peoples. Uh, Jesus is God's invitation into his family. And, he do and also, we learn from this, that he doesn't forget his own. He remembers his own people, Israel. So he invites all peoples, still being faithful to the group of people that he started with in the beginning. And that just made me think of Philippians 1.6, that he who began a good work in you will continue it till the end. Doesn't forget us. You're his kid. You're his kid. Period. A period that cannot be erased. Permanent ink. That's really good news on top of the, within the good news. Uh, and, I'm sorry, I can pause. <laughs> Is there any questions, comments? Yeah. Yes. Uh, makes me think of um, 
There's always, uh, Susie Bryan said that God always has a remnant. He always has a people that, even when you feel like you're the only Christian in the world, do you ever feel like that sometimes? Um, like Elijah, that's who I was trying to think of, said, I am the only one left and they're trying to kill me too. And God says, no, you have, I have 7,000 that are still faithful to my name and haven't bowed to Baal. God always has a, rev- uh, a remnant. Regiment, yeah. All right. All right, now it switches back to Mary and Joseph. And his father and his mother marveled. And I put a note in my notes here. Pray that the Lord would enlarge your capacity to marvel. We lose that so quickly. We have, in the age of instant gratification, where we can learn anything we want, anytime we want, where we ha- we have we're overexposed and overstimulated, um, we've it actually didn't enlarge our capacity to marvel, it shrank it, and so we come away from all that we distract ourselves with and find our marveling and the only one who's worthy of all of our marveling. Marveling is marvelous. Marveling is marvelous. Marvelous. I lost my place. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. There's a lot of good stuff to marvel at, but Jesus is the... And a lot of stuff that's good to marvel at. I love a good movie as much as anybody else. But Jesus, he's worth all of it. All right, uh, Simeon had received his consolation, and by this, Mary and Joseph had received further confirmation. So... They're witnessing this man who came up to them, took their baby from them. I probably would have been fighting. A stranger came up. I remember a stranger came up in Walmart and tried to take Oliver out of the cart once. <laughs> I was like, hey, what's up? Uh, <laughs> um, so they're seeing this. Well, this person wasn't like Simeon. They just came over and were there touching his face and stuff. Like, who are you? I don't even know who you are. This guy is a godly man praising the Lord as he comes up. So careful at Walmart is what that this text is telling us. Um, <laughs> uh, so by all, by Simeon's reaction to seeing Jesus, Mary and Joseph have confirmation considering the things that they know about Jesus. That they know about their own son. Because this is a unique situation for all the various reasons of the Advent story. And it's not like they had full revelation. They had proximity, and they experienced some things that no one ever did, and we get to read about it. But it's not like because of those things that they knew exactly what was going on. So they got some confirmation. This was, this was Simeon's role for them. We have a little over 15 minutes left. This was Simeon's role. This was Simeon's role for them. Not only do we get to uh, read the scripture that Luke wrote down and be blessed by it, this, uh, Mary and Joseph were blessed by him. And, as we re- and Bible readers of all time can look at this and see the reaction that's appropriate to the coming Messiah. This Jesus is salvation. It'd be a good thing to pray. May we have the same beholding, possessing, and rejoicing as Simeon. And that's why I love Simeon. And Simeon blessed them. The effect of being blessed is joyful, glad blessing. 
Notice from verse 30 that you have prepared a people in the presence. It prepared. All that he did was look at Jesus. That's all Simeon did. Mary and Joseph didn't come in there with some plan, some writing, and say, and prep him beforehand. Holy Spirit prepped him. All he had to do was look at Jesus. There's so much more grace and blessing in simply looking at Jesus by faith than our looking at ourselves, Joe. Going on to what you were talking about earlier. It's his righteousness. So we look at Jesus by faith. One, one look at Jesus by faith will get you all eternity with him that our works could never acquire. You get more from changing your direction when you look at Christ than trying to earn it before God any other way. That's why the gospel is so much more powerful than religion and why Christianity is unique amongst all other religions and philosophies. This is God's. This is God-given. Man could, would have never... Anyway, different day. Uh, and said to Mary, behold, this child is appointed. Simeon turns to Mary. And behold, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many. This is what awaited. This is the awaited one of Israel. Um, he's life to some. He's death to others. Either he's a stumbling block that crushes or he's a foundation that upholds. He's a sign that is oppressed, that is opposed. No, no person in history has ever been more opposed than Jesus, nor loved. He's the most hated, most loved person of all time. comment that was given was he was actually born to die being God. Yeah, and, and that's just amazing. What do we say about it? We just marvel. What else can we do? Believe it. Yeah. He, at his birth, he was given what? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold representative of his kingship. Uh, frankincense and myrrh were oftentimes gifts at birth, and oftentimes they would have been held until the death of that person, and then you, you, you would those things would be given when they wrap you up and put and place you in your grave for the smell. Oftentimes they would have been stored for that, so these things are foreshadowing gifts. It's almost like they could have gift-wrapped them in a coffin. That's what he came for. He suffered on the cross, saving all of us, and so 
It, that gives us the power to suffer as Christians following him. We, well, what does it say in Hebrews? Uh, he, for the joy set before him, he endured the suffering and the shame, despising the shame for the joy set before him. I butchered that, but we look to him and have an example to follow. And that's strength in our bones when we know that our big brother Jesus went through it first. He, like we're just saying, he has walked this path before us. He is walking with us still. All right, we're going to close out Simeon here, and then we'll have 10 minutes for Anna. And it's a good 10 minutes. I love Anna. We'll go a little faster with her because we're going to cap this off at 11. You know, let's just go right to Anna. Simeon blessed us, right? And there was a prophetess. Uh, this doesn't mean she was a church leader. The term prophet is, in the New Testament, commonly refers to one who speaks a timely word or does a timely act. It doesn't, it's sensationalized a little bit in American church with some more charismatic groups, but that's simply what it means, biblically, that she was used by God in a timely matter. It doesn't mean that she was necessarily a, a speaker of God's own words like the, like the prophets in the Old Testament or a future teller or, or like that, but... Uh, and this is, Jesus is the last prophet like that. He's the last. In these, Paul says, in these recent days, he has spoken to us by his son. Jesus is the last words of God given outside of the epistles given afterwards in Revelation. It stops there. All the Old Testament was looking forward to the Jesus of the Gospels. All, everything after the, the Gospels is looking back to Jesus, explaining what just happened within these Gospels. Revelation is the fulfilling of all prophecies and uh, the beginning of eternity. So the Bible isn't beginning, middle, end. It's beginning, middle, beginning. All right, so that's what it doesn't mean for Anna and means for Jesus, but it does mean that Anna was faithful and used by God nonetheless. We get to see a proper response to witnessing Jesus again, just like Simeon. We don't know if she actually saw him, but I'll, I'll read her little piece uh, uh, so that we all know better what I'm talking about. Uh, there was a prophetess, Anna, daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. So it gives us some details about her that we don't have about, we get a little bit more of a backstory with Anna more than we do Simeon. And that's, there's some really good details in here. Um, uh, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at, the very, at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption. All right. Anna, daughter of Phanuel, tribe of Asher. Luke notes her Jewishness. Um, this shows the reader that God doesn't forget the small in stature. And that day, a woman was not looked at uh, with much regard there was a jewish men of the time part of their prayers would be thank you that i'm not a woman that's 
what society was like for you back then if you were a woman. This is the third woman that God, or the, yeah, that God and Luke use, make special, give special notoriety to, because that's, Jesus levels it. And just one more note about that. There's this segment in scripture where you see the love that God has for people. The men of that time would have been, that's, that's a sermon for a different day, but there's, Jesus says about, I think it's Mary Magdalene, tells the apostles, do you see her? Not asking if you have eyeballs. He's asking, do you see her as a person? All right. Anna was a woman from a smaller tribe. Biblically, if you look at their numbers, I think in Exodus, it it's, it gives us the numbers of the tribe, population, and Asher is fourth from the lowest. So it's a smaller tribe. But now she's immortalized in Scripture forever. So we get to see her devotion in God's. We see her devotional heart here. She remained a virgin until marriage. Rather than marrying again after her husband passes, she could, what she could have done, she remains a widow for for 84 years. Living and never leaving God's temple, never leaving his presence, so to speak. She wanted to be close to God. She desired always to be in his presence. Worshiping with prayer and fasting, as the text said. Why is that important? She didn't just see herself as needing a thing the Lord saw fit to take. She didn't see herself as needing something the Lord saw fit to take away from her, her husband. She was a widow. She was married for seven years, widowed, and remained a widow for 84 years. You do the math. She was, and in that day, you were married pretty young. We don't know about her, but they started marrying at age 12 back then. Mary could, could have been 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, somewhere in that. It was common back then. Um, she, and this is inference, but maybe... She didn't see herself as needing a thing that the Lord saw fit to take away, perhaps. In other words, God was her provider. She saw God as her true husband. She had lost her own, but God stepped in. God was her oxygen. Why go anywhere else? I think that's what Anna's life tells us too. Some might see her as wasting her life, she would say that anything else but belonging to God was a waste of life. All right, coming up that very hour. Um, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God to speak to him, or to speak of him, to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. All right, so coming up that very hour, the holy family, the, the hour that the family was there, they probably just left Simeon, maybe. Uh, we don't know if Anna witnesses Jesus. I thought she did until I sat down to start looking at this. And the, what translation did you use today? You used the ESV. Yes, I'm sorry, yeah.
Oh. Right? Gotcha. All right. So um, it's the text tells us that she, why was she in the temple? I'm sorry. Or, yeah, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So it makes it sound like she lives there, but she, it just says that she was continually at there. She never left. Like she probably lived elsewhere, very close to there. And she would come, and this is, some people go to the park, she goes there. Uh, I think probably the, the question is that, that women can't be at the temple. I see, okay. Um, think about, like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, she. She could only perhaps go so far because of the regulations and culture of the day, and the uh, stigma, through religious thinking that was around the temple. But she, her faith was in God, and she saw the temple as a place that. She just needed to be because of his presence. And so regardless of regulations, maybe she can only go so far into the temple, but she probably goes that far. Uh, she makes herself present there. She wants to be with her God. But if we didn't satisfy the question, <laughs> ask us again. We'll, we'll do a better job. Uh, All right, so we don't know if Jesus witnesses, or if, uh, if Anna witnesses Jesus, she, or if she puts eyes on him. And we'll be done here in a moment. Uh, it, does tell, uh, uh, it doesn't tell us if she actually puts eyes on him, according to, to this. It just says, at that hour, coming up at that hour. So, but maybe it doesn't matter really. Her heart is the Lord's either way. God in his providence could have made sure, made sure of this, that his faithful child gets to see his beloved son, that Anna gets to see him. But by faith, she already saw God either way. You don't live 87 years not marrying again and having the help of a spouse. She just wanted God. Um, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like a representation of mm-hmm. different communities. Yeah. And Luke seems to be setting it up that oh, yeah. yeah, this is the God that comes to you now. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes me think all religion is working your way up the mountain, but we have a God who came down the mountain. That's, he opened it up. He opened it up. Uh, which tells us that sight is nice, but faith is better. Jesus said, uh, because Anna saw the Lord either way. And in John 20, 29, he said, Jesus said to them, have you believed because you, uh, have you believed because you believe because of you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me, yet still have believed. Seeing isn't believing necessarily, because of grace alone, believing is seeing. Our waiting on the Lord is never in vain. I think that's what Anna's life tells us too. So keep your lamps lit. And that will conclude our study. So I'm going to pray, and if there's any questions, we'll retire the video, and we'll pick it up again next week with our next text. Um, so, Father, thank you for what we got, for your word, for these people whom you communicated wonderful truths through to us. May we be a mirror beholding you by faith, as they did as we read the text, that we would have eyes just like Simeon, just like Anna, that we would marvel just like Mary and Joseph did, and that we would receive Christ, thank you so much for these people online and here for your word. Marvelous. Thank you. It's for your wonderful name we pray. Amen. If you want to know, okay. <laughs>